so today for the message, we're picking up where we left off. So I'll give a little refresher of where are we, what series are we in. You may remember, but uh, for our Advent series, we're looking at the series that I've entitled Christmas Season Reboot. So sort of recognizing that all too often our Christmas season, our Advent season, is sort of all too often the opposite of what it should be. We sort of too readily uh, fill it with things that are not intrinsically bad, things like parties and, you know, the gifts, the presents, the decorations, the cookies, all the baking and all that stuff. And that's all good and well, and, and we can celebrate Christ in those ways. But all too often that becomes sort of the focus of the season. That becomes, in a sense, what it's all about for us. And we sort of lose sight of, well, no, this is really about Christ and we ought to be focusing on him and, and not just his birth, but indeed why he came, of course, to rest rescue us from our sin. We were held captive by our sin. No way out on our own, and yet he came to go and do what we couldn't do to save us, of course, by going to a cross, uh, taking our place, taking the wrath of God for us, so that, uh, of course, making atonement for sin, so that through faith in him, we might be truly forgiven and have life everlasting. And so this is really what the Christmas season ought to be, focusing on Christ, drawing near to the Lord, right, being close to him, uh, spending that time with the Lord, a time of spiritual growth and renewal and so forth, but all too often instead it's just sort of a, a busy, fast-paced season where it becomes about all these superficial things that aren't intrinsically bad. I like decorating, I like Christmas parties, I like all of those things, presents, they're fun, they're great, but we just can't let that steal the spotlight from Christ, and all too often we do let it steal the spotlight. So this year we're sort of saying, no, let's sort of uh, reboot when it comes to the Advent season, the Christmas season, and we're saying sort of, let's let this season be all that it ought to be. And we started week one by sort of setting the foundation and really establishing what Christmas is all about, which I sort of already just summed up, right, and talked about. But saying, yeah, even though that's probably not news to us that Christmas is about Christ, his birth, right, we all know that, uh, nonetheless, we can sort of lose sight of it. And instead, we focus on other things rather than really keeping that at the forefront of our minds through the whole Advent season. So that was sort of week one. But then uh, setting the stage, right, looking at, well, how can we make this uh, Christmas season, this Advent season, all that it ought to be? What we're now doing, and we did this last week, week two, we're going to do it this week and next week as well through the end of this Advent series. Uh, we're going to look at some spiritual disciplines that when practiced, when lived out, will help us to make this Advent season, this Christmas season, all that it ought to be. So last week we looked at solitude and prayer, kind of looking at them together, sort of emphasizing the need to really get away, right? We have all those things in the midst of this season, the busyness of life that sort of wants to take up all of our time and attention and say, well, let's sort of hit the pause button on those things and just take time to be alone with the Lord, to be with him in prayer, just to fellowship with him, just to commune with him. And that in doing that, that will help to make this Christmas season, this Advent season, what it ought to be. Well, uh, continuing with the idea of, well, how do we make this Advent season all that it ought to be in sort of spiritual disciplines, this week I want us to take a look at the spiritual discipline of service, uh, of serving others. Uh, and if we think about it, if we kind of come back to week one, again, I already talked about this a little bit, but we think of, well, what's Christmas all about? What's sort of the focus of Christmas? And of course, it's Christ's birth. But again, if we think of, well, why did he, he come? What was the whole purpose? He didn't come just because, but he came with a purpose. And again, I sort of spoke to that, but I want to read Mark chapter 10, verse 45. You can flip there if you'd like, or just listen to me read it. Mark 10, verse 45. And here Jesus says why he came. He says, 
For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Right? And sort of thinking of the theme of service, what we recognize is we focus on Christmas, what it's really all about, Christ himself and his birth. And we, we ponder that and sort of what is this all about? We realize, well, he came not to be served. Certainly we do rightfully serve the Lord. We do. But he came actually even as king to serve and to serve us. And he says how, right? By ultimately going to a cross, right? Taking our place, taking our sin, taking the punishment we deserve, making atonement for sin so that if we just repent and trust in him, we're forgiven and we have everlasting life. And he served us in that wondrous and glorious way, right? And then what we realize, so if this Christmas season we're doing what we talked about week one, focusing on Christ, focusing on, on what it's really all about, his coming, his birth, but his birth is ultimately a coming here to serve us. So it's service, Christ coming to serve us. But then what we realize as we're pondering that is, well, not only did Christ come to serve us, that's true, but then in fact, he calls us to follow his example and to serve others as well, just as he has served us. And so if we think of, and we're going to talk about this, we're going to look, you can even flip there now so you're ready, but we're going to take a look at the Gospel of John chapter 13 verses 1 through 17, and here we're going to see how Jesus says that effectively he came to serve and that we are then to follow his example and serve others. But if we think of making the Advent season what it ought to be, well, if the Advent season is all about Christ and him coming to serve us and recognizing, well, then we're called as well by Christ himself to follow his example and serve others as he has served us, then to make this season all that it ought to be uh, should involve service unto others, right? A celebration of Christ's service that he rendered toward us in a way in which we can celebrate that, of course, focusing on it, giving him thanks for it, praising him for it, but also then following, following his command to reflect his character, to reflect that service and go and serve others as well. And so this Advent season ought to be a time of, as we ponder Christmas and what it's all about, also recognizing it's about Christ serving us, that we then are to go out and serve others. And Jesus talks about this service, that he served us, of course, but that we're to reflect that in John chapter 13. I'll read it for us, starting at verse 1. And here's what it says. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. And the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. 
for he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Right, to sort of sum up this passage, right, let's take a look and say, well, you know, what's, what's going on? To sort of summarize it. Well, Jesus decides here, right, he's going to go and he's going to wash his disciples' feet. And certainly this is something that would seem surprising. It was quite surprising to Peter. Uh, the job of washing feet was sort of reserved for the lowly servant, right? Uh, you would never have expected someone high up, you know, a superior to go and wash the feet of someone who is his, his inferior. And so if you're thinking of Jesus, right, if you wouldn't expect anyone of significance to go and wash the feet of someone lower than him who's not so significant, right, how much more so would you totally unexpect Jesus, who's overall, it's God himself, to go and wash the feet of these lowly disciples, right? You'd expect quite the opposite. You'd expect, if anything, well, it's the disciples who should, should go and wash Jesus' feet. Right, so something that would have been surprising, Jesus says nonetheless, right, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to do this act that is this lowly uh, act of service, right, and, and what is he doing here? He's really pointing to ultimately what he's really about to do just the next day, right? This is the day before he ultimately is crucified, and what he's saying is, right, if you want to have any part with me, right, he tells Peter, unless I wash you, you have no part with me, right? If you want any uh, fellowship or, or share in Christ and what he did on the cross, right, of course, uh, you need for Christ. If you want any share in the forgiveness that's in him, he needs to go and serve mankind by going to the cross, right? He says, I must serve mankind in this way by ultimately going to the cross, taking our place, taking our sin, making atonement for it, right? He must go and do that for us to then ultimately have any share in him, to have any fellowship with him, to have our sin paid for, atoned for, forgiven, so that now we can be reconciled to God and have fellowship with him. So he says, this is something I need to do. If you want to have any fellowship with me, any fellowship with God, I need to go and serve you. And of course, he goes and does that the next day. Right? And so what does he then do? Talking about this service, and of course this is a service that involves cleansing, so foot washing is of course a, a perfect example and sort of metaphor and imagery for what Jesus is ultimately going to go and do the next day. It's this lowly service but involves a cleansing, and he's saying, I need to serve you and bring about a cleansing of you for you to then belong to me, have fellowship with me, have life in me, and reconciliation with God, of course. But now that he's sort of has taken up this theme of, of foot washing and service, he says, well, now I want to tell you, disciples, something else. And it's that you are to do as I have just done for you. Not in the sense of make atonement for sin. Of course, they can't do that by any means. But just as Christ has rendered great service, right, as he has taken the place of a lowly servant and washed feet and served those who are, of course, truly his and, and who have faith in him, as he's doing this by washing feet, but really pointing toward ultimately what's to come the next day 
through his death on the cross. He says, just as I've rendered this service to you, so you are to go and follow my example. That's what he says here. I have set you an example in verse 15 that you should do as I have done for you. Or as he says in the verse before, now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. Right? Just as I have done, you are to follow my lead, follow my example, and do the same and serve one another just as I've served you. And so as we think of this Christmas season, as we think of what it's all about, right, and making this Christmas season what it ought to be, right, well, we recognize it's about celebrating Christ and his birth, but he came to do this. He came to serve, to ultimately wash our feet effectively, right, to serve us and cleanse us, and he did that through the cross. And then he says, hey, to my followers, he says, well, what are you to do? He says, you, my followers, are now to go and effectively do what I did for you. Just as I served you, you are to go and serve others. You are to serve one another, right? And so as we think of this Christmas season and making it what it ought to be, if this is a season of celebrating Christ and his birth and him coming to serve us and knowing that he has called us also to follow his example, this ought to be a season of serving others, right? Sort of reflecting what Christ has done for us and then doing that for others. And so this Advent season, if we want it to be what it ought to be, then we should be living out lives of service. And we don't see this just, you know, here in John chapter 13, but we see it all over the scriptures. And I want to just sort of illustrate that point and look at some other passages from scripture. I'm going to turn to 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 10. And here's what Peter says, and he's talking about spiritual gifts here, and this is what he says. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various forms. Right? What he doesn't say here is, oh, God's given you each this spiritual gift or maybe multiple spiritual gifts, and you're to go and use it just for yourself, you know, to serve your own interests, for your own edification, or for your own pride and building up of yourself. No, quite the opposite. He says, God has given you these gifts. Toward what end? What are we to do with them? Ultimately, we're to use them in service to others. Right? This is just something we are, to, we are called to do, to, again, sort of follow Christ's lead. And just as he has served us, we are to serve others and leverage all that God has given to us, including spiritual gifts, toward that end of lovingly, humbly serving others. We see it elsewhere in Galatians here, uh, chapter 5, verse 13. Uh, Paul writing, and he says this, You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. But do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Right, what is he saying? He's saying, right, you've been set free from bondage to sin, right, in Christ, but don't use that freedom now to say, hey, if, you know, my sin's paid for, you know, Christ has atoned for it, well, then I can just sort of get my money's worth and sort of commit some more sin, whatever I want to do, indulge in that, no big deal. Paul's saying, no, 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 you're free, but don't use your freedom to indulge the flesh, but rather, now that we've been set free from sin and we're in Christ, what are we to do? He says, rather, serve one another humbly in love. And again, this is just following Christ's example. Just as he served us humbly in love, we're to do that. And that's what Paul says here. Serve one another humbly in love. And this is not just something for the Advent season. You know, we're sort of talking about Advent season, Christmas season, and making it all that it ought to be. But this certainly isn't something that we'd say, oh, let's do this, you know, for these few weeks in Advent. Uh, that's great. It's a way we can celebrate Christ and make this season all that it ought to be as we sort of remember Christ, why he came to serve us, and that then we're to serve others. And then sort of, oh, December 
you know, 25th Christmas comes and finally it's over and oh, now I can set aside this whole I have to serve other people thing. I can be done with it. That's by no means the case. This should just characterize our everyday life as a follower of Christ where we're just doing what Christ did for us and, and, and what he's called us to do. And day after day, we're just living out lives of service to others. But sort of how much more so in the midst of this season as we're focusing on Christ, his coming, how he served us, how much more so ought we to then follow his lead and direction and be serving others. But we see it elsewhere as well. Uh, if we look at Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, I'll read it for us. Here's what Paul says. And he doesn't actually use the word service, but if you sort of think about it, and we'll take a look at this, effectively that is what he's talking about. He says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, va value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. So effectively what he's saying here is, is what you're not to do is to just be all about yourself, all prideful, it's all about me. I'm just going to look to what Steve wants, his own interests, because you know that's all I care about is myself, and I'm going to be self-centered and just looking out for me. He says, no, 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 absolutely don't do that, but rather we should be characterized by humility. We should be considering others more valuable, more significant, more important than ourselves, and looking to their interests, that is basically doing things that is in their interest, doing things for for them, it's service. That's what he's talking about, right? In humility, considering others more important than yourselves, now go and serve them in a way that's in their interest, right? And so even if he doesn't use the actual language of service, that's what Paul here is certainly talking about. This is what ought to characterize the church. People not looking out for themselves, but looking out for others and serving others in love, in humility, day after day. And we see this in 1 John as well. Chapter 3, verse 18. And I've just picked a few of these, but you could certainly go elsewhere and find this theme of service. It's just everywhere. 1 John chapter 3, verse 18 says, Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. Right here, John's talking about love, and he says, if you want to talk about love and what it really looks like, it's not just a matter of words and speech. If you really love someone, yeah, you'll tell them that you love them, but it's not going to end there. It's not just going to be words. Talk is cheap. But rather, if you really love someone, it's going to drive you to action, to act on their behalf, that is effectively to serve them. If you really love someone, you'll serve them, right? In love, in humility, as we talked about. So again, even here, not using the word service, effectively, that's what John's talking about. If you love someone, you're not just going to say it, but you're going to live it out through loving acts of service as well. But I want to take a look at one more passage as well, a little bit of a longer one, Matthew chapter 25. You can turn there if you'd like verses 31 through 40. So at this point, right, it's quite clear that, that we're called to serve others. It's all over the place in Scripture, and certainly it's rooted uh, in what Christ has done for us, right? Christ himself says it, hey, I came to serve you, right? That's why I came. That's my whole purpose in coming, ultimately to serve man by making atonement for sin at great cost to him. And then he says, what are you to do? You're to go, follow my example, and serve others, right? Humbly, in love, but there's one more thing that we learn about serving others, uh, and Jesus talks about it here in Matthew chapter 25, verses 31 to 40. Here's what he says. When the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the angels with him, he will sit on his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate the people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. He will put the sheep on his right and the goats on his left, 
Then the king will say to those on his right, Come you who are blessed by my father, take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in? Or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go to visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for one of the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. Right, and what Jesus is saying here, there's a lot in this passage. We're not going to take a look at every little bit of what's being said here, but as it concerns service and what we're talking about, effectively what Jesus says here is when you render service to another, specifically he's talking about the least of these, but you can certainly expand that to any other. As we serve others, right, effectively we're rendering service to God himself. As we, in love for God, out of a desire to be obedient to him, go and serve others, and we're serving those he cares about, he loves dearly, effectively not only are we serving that person, but what Jesus is saying is, you're also rendering service to me as well. Uh, and, and so that's just a reality, that as we think about the importance of, of serving others, it's not just a matter of serving others, but by virtue of serving others, we're also serving God himself. We're rendering service to the Lord himself. Right, and so this is just something that we are called to, and especially, right, we're called to it every season of the year, not just Advent, uh, every day of the year we're called to service, right? This isn't just something for this season. But I, I really feel how much more so at this time when we're very much focusing on Christ, we're very much focusing on his birth, and again, not just that he was born, but why he was born. And he was born to serve, and then says as well, and now you, my people, go and serve others as I have served you. And so very naturally, this ought to be a season where we just overflowing with love for God, just love for Christ, just overwhelmed by the fact that he came to serve us, and understanding his command that is upon us to go and serve others, we're just overflowing out of that. We just naturally, day after day, are living out lives of service to others in love, in humility. And so I really want to challenge us, sort of a little bit generally, but then I want to get a little more specific. I want to challenge us this Advent season to really live out this spiritual discipline of service. It can be easy to go through life just sort of day after day, and you're doing your own routine, sort of living out your own personal agenda, doing things for yourself or your family, but sort of your little small sphere of, of, of your people, and not really all too concerned about people who are on the outside and just sort of focused inward and, and on self. I want to challenge us not to live out our lives like that, but instead uh, really to be concerned about others in a profound way, to have deep love for others, just as Christ had a profound love for us, and in that love came and served us. And so I want to see us living out profound love for others and, and living out in that love acts of service, serving others just as Christ has served us. So that's sort of, in a sense, a, a general application for us to live out this Advent season. Not to say then when Christmas comes you can sort of say, oh, I'm done with that, no big deal, I, I did it, okay, and now I'll go back to my regular way of doing things. No, we should certainly continue this pattern of, of, of living, this service, uh, even after Advent, but I want to challenge us all the more so to really be living it out in the midst of this season. But I want to be a little more specific and really give a challenge for this week. Uh, in this week, uh, in Advent, in the season, 
I want to challenge us to really in some way outside of the norm, right? There may be sort of normal ways in which you serve others. Maybe you watch the grandkids once a week to you know, give your kids a break or whatever it might be. There are all sorts of ways in which maybe you serve your spouse or, or kids or this or that as part of your normal routine. And I want to challenge us to sort of, that's good, do that, but then to take on something else, to sort of step outside of the normal routine and say, I'm going to serve someone this week. I'm going to serve some other person in some way that's outside of that norm, right? Whether that's in some sort of small way, right? Maybe it's just, I think we got some snow coming Monday night, Tuesday, whatever it might be. And maybe you have a neighbor who's starting to get a little bit older and you decide, I'm just going to snow blow their driveway for them or I'll shovel their walk. It can be little acts of service like that. It doesn't have to be something grand and, and, and great and, and extreme. It can be all sorts of just little acts of service to others that make that difference, that sort of show that Christ-like love. It could be going and saying, oh, you know, we get the, the Westboro Food Pantry here not far away, just sort of on the other side of the rotary, and saying, I'm just going to take a couple hours out of, of my time this week, and I'm going to go and volunteer there and, and help and serve those in need. Or maybe there's some other soup kitchen or food pantry where you could go and just serve those in need. It could be a whole host of things. Maybe it's just baking a pie and bringing it to some neighbor, and you know it'll just, it's their favorite, and it'll brighten their day, do something like that. But in some way, outside of the norm, serve someone this week. And I want to use an example, and this is an example of, of a small thing, but still, even as a small thing, has a lasting, and indeed had a lasting uh, impact. And so this is a story from my life, not that, that long ago. So it was probably about you know a week or a week and a half ago, uh, and I was out with uh, Peter and David, and Liz had the other kids, and it was, it was, we were going shopping for the kids to buy things for one another. And so each kid's buying one gift for another kid, and that way they all get one. Uh, so I took two, Liz took two, that way they wouldn't know what they were getting one another. And I happened to be at Walmart, and we were in the toy section, and so Peter and, I mean, I sort of just did for David. He wasn't going to pick things out on his own. But Peter was looking, and, you know, oh, what do I want to get for James, I believe it was, that he was buying for? You know, what am I going to get him? And thinking about it. And all of a sudden, one of the workers just came up, and he's there, you know, big, smiley, got his, like, Christmas hat on, um, and just says, you know, oh, you know, do you like sports? And this is to Peter, not asking me this. And Peter's sort of like, you know, do I respond? Not. And I'm like, yeah, you like sports. You do. Um, I'll answer for you. Yeah, you like football. You like basketball. And, and the guy says, oh, okay, great. Hang on. I'll, I'll be right back. Just stay here for a minute. I'll, I'll be right back in just a sec. And so Peter and I are sort of looking at one another like, what's the deal? This is kind of outside of the norm of my usual shopping at Walmart. Uh, what's going on? I guess we'll wait. You know, we can just peruse this aisle while he's going to do something, and he'll be right back. Uh, and so after a minute goes by, he shows back up again, and he's got one of these big, like, you know, 30-gallon or whatever it is, trash bags. And I'm thinking, well, what's inside of it? So he opens it up, and it's all sorts of sports collectible, like, figurines, uh, going back probably, like, in his heyday of being a kid and collecting all this stuff. So it was, like, the 80s through to, like, 2000, kind of things that I would have remembered from, from my days. Maybe not the 80s so much, but... Um, and so he just starts pulling these out, and it's like, you know, oh, do you want this one? Do you want a football player? And it was like a little figurine with a card, and it was definitely a little collectible thing. Um, and Peter just lit up. He loved sports and, and whatnot and was super excited. David, I think, is probably thinking, I don't totally know what these are, but as soon as he saw one, it was like a hockey Steve Eiserman holding up the Stanley Cup, and he's like, that's mine. I want it, dibs. Um, and so he, he wasn't letting go of that one. Uh, and the guy just gave us a whole bunch of these. He gave us five, even though there were only two kids. 
And I was sort of like, well, you know, are these yours? What's the deal? He said, yeah, these are mine, personal. You know, I collected these as a kid. They're not Walmart toys. I'm not giving you Walmart stuff, and then you're going to be guilty of stealing from, from Walmart. They're mine. Like, I collected them. I'm just handing them out to kids who would enjoy them just to, just to brighten their day, just to, to bring them a little happiness and joy. Um, and so I said, okay, fine, we'll take one. And then, and then I said to Peter, you know, oh, we've got five we can share with, with, uh, with Rachel and, and with James. And he's like, oh, you got more kids? And he's like opening it up, wanting to give us more. I'm like, please, really, like five is plenty. Um, probably four is good too. Then they won't argue over who gets the fifth one. But um, so he gave us these five. And I'm thinking as I'm like going up to pay for the things we're actually purchasing, like, are they going to think that I'm stealing these, even though they look like they're old? And sure enough, I get to the front, I tell the guy the story, they're kind of like, what, what, what's happening? Someone's handing out toys. Ultimately, it got sorted out, and, and I was able to leave with these toys, didn't have to pay for them. Um, and we got home, and, you know, James is there, and Rachel, and they're, like, super excited, you know, like, bouncing off of walls, almost literally, because they're just so excited that they got these toys they weren't expecting, these sports figurines. Um, and I guess the point is, this was something small, you know. Uh, it's just a little whatever, five, ten, I don't know, $15 toy that was given to each of the kids. And yet this guy, even if it's a small thing, is going around Walmart, you know, as he's working there, just handing out these, these toys, these sports figurines to kids and just brightening their day and leaving an impact. And I know it had an impact on, on my kids and really made their day and, and, and I'm sure they're probably still going to be talking about it for, for time to come, for, for quite a time to come. Um, but even little things, so, so we think of sort of serving others as Christ has served us. You know, sometimes we might think of, oh, these grand things because certainly Christ served us in a grand way. And I'm not minimizing, we can serve in, in great and remarkable ways, but sometimes it's just all of the little things that add up and leave a lasting impact, even if it's just you're driving through McDonald's, which I seem to do a lot of, you know, the Happy Meals and the kids and whatnot. It's not my favorite, not my choice, but, um, but the kids love it. So, you know, even just driving through McDonald's, and you can imagine, you know, probably if you're working the window at McDonald's, you get a lot of unhappy customers. They're in a rush. You didn't get their order right. Maybe they're just not always treated the best. And even just little things like, you know, you pull up and you just get a big smile on your face and, you you know, hey, how are you? Thanks so much. And you're just polite and just nice. And, and, and even little things like that, wherever you go, just being nice, being kind, serving in even small ways uh, over the course of your day can leave a big and lasting impact. And I think we ought to just go through life uh, with the mindset of looking for opportunities wherever we bump into people, looking for opportunities just to serve. As we engage people in life, having the mindset of how can I serve you, even if it's in some small way, uh, as we interact with people, how can I serve this person? How can I serve that person day after day? Uh, and that's really the mindset that I want us to have to really reflect that, that heart of Christ, of love for others that he had, of course, and flowing out of that a willingness and eagerness to serve as he did us. And then we're to reflect that and have this profound love for others and flowing out of that to uh, serve others as well. So I want to challenge us to be like that guy at Walmart. Mike was his name. I don't know too much else about him, but to be like Mike. Uh, this week and do some sort of out of the norm. I'm not saying go to Walmart and start handing out toys. They may not love that. They probably want you to buy toys, but to sort of follow his lead and do something outside of the, the ordinary for yourself this week where you're serving another and just sort of share that Christ-like love in that way. Uh, all in service to the Lord, remembering that as we serve others, we're also effectively rendering service to God himself, as he says there in Matthew.
Amen. Let's pray. Lord God, Lord Jesus, thank you for, for serving us. We were without hope on our own. If you had not come to serve us by going to a cross, as you said, we would have no part with you. We would not be reconciled to you. We would not have forgiveness and life everlasting. We'd be stuck in our sin. But you did come in love and serve us. And then you have told us that we are to go and do likewise. And may we this Advent season, and not just in the midst of this Advent season, but in every season of the year, may we follow your lead, follow your example, and lovingly, humbly serve others, all for you in your kingdom, in Christ's name. Amen.